Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. The one thing that we have to remember about this year is like when injuries happen, can you augment that with your depth? And, you know, this year we were challenged a little bit from the pitching standpoint. And uh, hopefully when we go into camp this year, we have that extra depth and um, we'll be prepared for perhaps those, you know, ups and downs a little better. And that's kind of where I think they would go if they spend their money. Uh, this offseason. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show on the Friday edition of the program. So the weekend is just about here. I'm Dan McLaughlin and uh, BK, who's always flying with me on this show, but yet he's not in studio. He's over at the uh, Centene Studios uh, where the Blues practice, but the Blues are on the West Coast. And uh, good morning, BK. How are we uh, doing this morning? I think we lost BK. Did we? Yeah. Centene, not doing him any favors this morning. Man, this could be really good. No BK today? Yeah. Shh, don't tell him. No, I, I'm telling you. So we don't have BK, which is fine. All right. But we had him right before the show began, did we not? We found him. All right. BK, are you him. there? I think so. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah, we, we got, got you. Live and direct. <laughs> How you doing, BK? I, I'm great. I, I don't have internet, but <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> Well, you don't need internet to talk on the radio. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's fun. It's just one great. of the uh, modern conveniences of life in 2021. Yeah, I, I can't see you. I have no idea when you're ending a sentence, but this is going to be great, Dan. I can't wait for it. What a Friday morning. How are you guys doing today? I'm, I'm thrilled to be on with you. Well, I'm doing great, but I would imagine if you went to your phone and uh, even though if it might not be hooked up to internet, you, you will be able to get some type of... Uh, information on your phone. Nope, I have no service out here. So, wait a minute. What do you <laughs> so mean no you have no service? Well. What do you yeah, mean? Inside of Centene Community Ice Center, uh, my provider does not get a whole lot of service, Dan. So we are going old school. I've got a pen and a paper, and I'm ready to talk Cardinals baseball with Boy, you, this, my friend. This reminds me of when I go to visit the grandparents in Kentucky. <laughs> it's like going to a black hole. No internet, no service. Whew. Isn't it great though? Don't you like that? I can handle it for a day or two, but then at some point I need to get back to the Wi-Fi world. No, I'm serious. I can't do it for long. When when I'm done, which I'm sure a lot of people are saying, can we make that now? No, not going to happen yet. But BK, I'm I'm shutting down everything. Oh, I believe that 100%. You're going to be up in a hunting stand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at some point in time. There's just going to be a day when Dan decides, I'm not doing this anymore, and we just never hear from him again. You'll be alive. But we won't know where you are. No. Be fishing, golfing, beach. I like that, too. Uh, yeah. And you, and it'll be no big announcement. Just, you know, just, all right, uh, BK, uh, nice seeing you. And then Monday shows up, and I'm you're going to say, where's Danny Mack? And everybody's going to say, I don't know. I can't find him. <laughs> He's gone? <laughs> just into the abyss. Adios. He, he's off for a better life somewhere. <laughs> well, let's. <laughs> 
going with the show here. So yesterday in the athletic, former GM Jim Bowden, always find him interesting, BK, what he has to say. But he said, quote, the Cardinals will focus on adding one or two veteran starting pitchers as their top and perhaps only offseason priority. And I could see that happening, too. However, don't be surprised if they quietly play in the shortstop market. I, I think you have to kick the tires on that. Uh, with the uncertainty of what you had. Now, defensively, you're fine. Sosa and DeYoung, matter of fact, I think they led shortstops in defensive run save combined. But you didn't get the offense that you were hoping to get out of Paul DeYoung. That's clear. It hasn't been that way for over a couple of years. Sosa was a really nice surprise down the stretch, got you into postseason play, and played very well defensively. So that's something I could see them kicking the tires on, and it's a massive shortstop free agent market. The thing where I would look at with Jim Bowden, and this is what I would question, I would say, I would just ask him, if they're not going to go out and get themselves a position player, and if the DH is in the National League, then Jim, how do you think that they're going to approach this? In-house with what they have? Is it Nolan Gorman? Is it shuttling players in and out of that DH role? Arenado, Goldschmidt, DeYoung, um, maybe some of your outfielders. I could see them doing that too and having interchangeable parts. Uh, but I do agree with what he said in the fact that he thinks the focus will be on adding one or two veteran starting pitchers because I do think, and we've said this a lot, um, you know what, bottom line is they didn't have enough pitching until they made the additions of LeBlanc and the others, Garcia McFarland in the bullpen, uh, Hap obviously coming in the rotation with John Lester, and then things settled down, and what happened? The team took off. So to me, the the def, the, de, the defining moment of this or the definition of the player I want would be veteran is fine, but I need to get guys that throw strikes. And if I can find that, then I feel like I'm covered and I'm going to throw a bunch of guys out there. I'm going to let, I'm going to say, Hey, Alex Reyes, you want to compete for a spot? Come on in. Jordan Hicks, you want to show us you want to be a starter? Come on in. But I need to have a couple of veterans to fall back on as well to make sure that I'm doing this properly. Yeah, I would be surprised if they signed two veteran starters because I don't see the need for it. I mean, you've got Flaherty, Michaelis, Wayno, Hudson. There's your top four already ready to go. And then, as you mentioned, you've got some young guys that are ready to compete for that fifth spot. I'm not going to hand it to them. I, I don't see the need to do that. If you want to go out there and whether it be via trade and you want to get a guy who you think could at least slot in there for 150 or 160 innings of, of quality work next year, I'm fine with that. But I don't really see the need to go get two guys. That's that's the one piece of his um, phrasing there that would surprise me. Maybe I, I disagree. I, I think he can because now let's just say that Reyes or Hicks, they go to your bullpen. So sure. you bring in that one veteran, that's number five. And I, I just have to feel better about Oviedo and Woodford. I'd, I'd want another guy. I'd almost, I'd look at the guys. But what do you guys. do with them? Like if so, you sign them to well, a $7 to million. Dollars. So I'm about to answer it. So I'm, I'm saying that I'm going out and getting a swing guy. So I'm getting a, if it's Wade LeBlanc, it's, it's fine. He goes to my bullpen, but I've got flexibility with him that if I had to move him to the rotation, I feel comfortable with that. I didn't feel comfortable with John Gant, and that proved to be uh, the way that it played out. But that's where I'd go, and there's got to be those kind of guys that are swing guys that you could eventually bring in your organization, and I, I don't know who they are. I don't know what you have to pay, but that's something that I would let definitely look at as I would move forward with this team because i got to be protected. Yeah, and I, I think that's maybe what I'm saying is I don't think you need to sign two guys in that like five plus million dollar range. If you're getting a Wade LeBlanc, that's probably a veteran minimum signing. So that that I could get about. behind. Sure, absolutely, I, I could get behind something like that. 
Um, but if you're signing a couple of guys for more than $5 million, that would surprise me uh, just because I don't see the need for it of having that, that length in terms of a starter. I do think they could go out there and get multiple relievers. Like if you wanted to get one starter in that $10 million-ish range that we've talked so much about, Dan, and then you also wanted to add three, four, five different guys that That's are veteran what I'm talking arms, about. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. I think this team should go out and do that. I also want to make sure that we're learning the lessons, though, from 2021. I saw there were there was a, uh, I, I don't want to call it a report. I'll say speculation from the L.A. Times yesterday where they listed the Cardinals as a potential suitor for Kenley Jansen. That is not the lesson from 2021. If we've learned anything in recent years with the Cardinals, you don't need to go out there and get the high-priced reliever that's the hottest thing on the market Go get guys that can throw strikes. Your TJ McFarland, Luis Garcia, those guys, whoever the equivalent of that is on this offseason, and maybe it's the next version of them and not necessarily Garcia and McFarland specifically, those are the types of players that you should be going out there to target. And you can get them on the cheap because other teams can't use them to the same effective degree that the Cardinals did because they don't have the defense that the Cardinals have. I'll tell you a guy I'd love to see back in St. Louis, and if he's fully healthy, is Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly could fill a variety of roles for what you're trying to do in your bullpen. You're getting a shutdown guy. You're getting a guy that if you needed to could be a closer and his stuff is flat out nasty. Now I did talk to some people that when he was in St. Louis that visited with him and, and BK, he said, this is healthy as I've been maybe since my time in St. Louis, you know, he had the issues with his health early on with the Dodgers, went back home. He's a California guy. Uh, after winning the World Series with the Boston Red Sox. And then um, that first year was kind of hit and miss, and then it was much better after that. I don't know what he was is going to command. I don't know what he's looking for. I know he loved his time in St. Louis. I do know that as a fact uh, and would welcome uh, a chance to come back. Joe Kelly would be somebody I'd be eyeing. I like his – I mean, his stuff is is filthy right now. Now, we saw him at the end get hurt, but where is he health-wise and what would it cost to bring him in? Are there other teams that are looking at giving him a, a, a pretty big deal? I could see that happening because he's still fairly young and he's got tremendous value, but that's somebody I can get behind too. There are so many good relievers that are going to be available on the open market this offseason. I mean, I, I was going through the list a little bit with Tanner and Alex yesterday. And it, it's not guys that are necessarily household names, but they could come in and for this specific situation, they could be super effective. Uh, Brad Boxberger is a guy that could make some sense, and he's not going to cost you a ton of money. Chris Martin, we just saw him with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, if you want to go with Sean Doolittle, uh, if you want to go the Archie Bradley route, there's a bunch of guys that are going to be available yep. this offseason, all in that lower tier range. You don't need to get up all the way to the Rysel Iglesias, um, the Kenley Jansen, Kendall Graveman. You don't need to be spending in that route. Use that money on your last starter. That uh, You could get that guy there and use that money for the position players. The relievers, you, your defense is so good that you can get away with spending a little bit less because all they need to do is be able to effectively throw strikes. I think the hardest thing year to year, if you're in Michael Gersh's seat and uh, John Mosellock's seat, but a general manager, president of baseball operations, the hardest thing year to year is to predict certainly your pitching, but your bullpen. Uh, guy, it, there are certain guys that you can count on pretty much year to year that are your high price guys because there's a track record of consistency and dominance in the back end of games, and that's why they get paid what they do. But generally speaking, Luis Garcia, 
Uh, TJ McFarlane. Trying to think of some other. Boxberger. You, you're just, I mean, look at where they were at different times this year. I mean, they were guys that, that when they were on other teams, they the, those teams said goodbye to them because they were inconsistent. And then you get to a new place or a new league or a new team and a new pitching coach or a new catcher, and they see something in you. I mean, Garcia is a perfect example. Hey, we're going to go two-seamer here, man. That's what we're doing. And all of a sudden, what happens? He becomes dominant. And he wasn't doing that when he was at other stops. So year to year, it's very, very tough to predict what you're going to get with, in particular, your bullpen guys. And I think that's the 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 risk that you run when you're in that seat. It's just very hard. And that's why I think, to your point, giving big money contracts. In, I mean, Kenley Jansen is proven. That's 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 a given. Ricelli Glacius is a proven guy, in my opinion. But there are others that are the next tier and the tier below that that yeah, the upside is there, and the money isn't huge, but what am I getting? I gotta, I, I'm just not sure, and that's why I, I just feel like you can't have enough arms because year to year you just don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, and those guys that you mentioned, they're really good. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna be like in year three or four of their contract. And the other problem is, what is the difference between them versus these guys that we're talking about, where maybe you catch lightning in a bottle? And is it worth that $8 million or so, whatever it ends up being in the difference? Or would you rather spend that money elsewhere? I'm in the latter category of wanting to spend that money elsewhere. because so we got to be concerned about how they're, how they're allocating their resources in the offseason. You're right, though, Dan. Relievers are so volatile. I, I look at it almost as teams do running backs in the NFL. Just collect a bunch of them and see where it kind of shakes out. And more often than not, you're going to get somebody that emerges that's pretty good. And it might be a guy that nobody's ever heard of. The Chiefs on Sunday Night Football had some gentleman by the name of Derek Gore. I had legitimately, Dan, I'm a Chiefs fan. I had never heard of this character before I watched him on Sunday. And he was perfectly effective for the Chiefs. That's kind of how it is with relievers nowadays. You might have a 30-year-old guy like Luis Garcia who hasn't really been good in the big leagues in three years and was just cut from the Yankees AAA team. And then he comes to the Cardinals and becomes one of the best relievers in the sport for the final two months of the season. That's just how it works with these guys. So uh, go, by, go by the numbers, get a bunch of quantity instead of the top-end quality, and see where it all shakes out. And by the end of the season, you should have a few of those guys that at least are able to be effective in the back end of your pen. Hey, by the way, uh, the Chiefs need to go get Odell Beckham Jr., by the way. I'm going to throw I'm that at you. you. You agree He's, with me? Yeah. You actually I, agree with me on a football Hot take? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I, I think he's probably... I'm super curious to see what the top of the uh, waiver wire ends up thinking of him because he is going to be subject to waivers. So the teams that are really terrible right now, like the Jaguars, they're going to have the be- first shot at being able to acquire him. I- I'm curious to see what they think of a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. Like, Can you bring that guy into... Jacksonville or Washington or Chicago right now? I think the answer is probably no. I'm not sure I would want that in my locker room if I'm those teams, but a team like San Francisco maybe or Indianapolis, I I could see how that would be a fit there. We've gone from Luis Garcia to Odell Beckham Jr., and that's what we do here 10 o'clock at 101 ESPN. Uh, Dave Schoenfeld is going to be our guest Great baseball writer for ESPN, and we'll get into some of the free agent talk, CBA talk, and uh, what may happen here in St. Louis. Want to make sure and tell you about... Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
me throw some names at you here, BK. Hey, get yourself settled over there at Centene, will you? I'm ready to go, Dan. All right. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Chris Bryant, Max Scherzer, Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray, Javi Baez. You can stop me anytime you want. Freddie Freeman, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman. I kind of like Marcus Stroman, by the way. I don't I know what he's going to get. Stroman. I don't know what he's going to get, but I I I think he could be a fit. Um, let's see. Starling Marte, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. Like that one if there's a DH. I was about to say I'll stop you there. That's a good one. Carlos Rodon. Uh, Noah Syndergaard. Now, that might be your guy that you're saying, okay, we can get him cheaper as if uh, if he was coming off a big year and, and was healthy and you knew – you know, you're getting the Noah Syndergaard of the past, but he has to reestablish himself and be healthy. Wonder what he commands. So here's a question for you, Dan. We've we've talked about this a little bit with Alex. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Do you think this team can go the injured starter route? Because I actually, given their questions sure with can. Michaelis and Hudson, and obviously the age with Wayno, I'm not sure that that's the route that I would want to go. I think I want a, a stable, and I know nothing is a sure thing with pitchers, but. I want a guy that has proven over the years that he can get me 160 innings consistently. So then it comes down to what do you want to spend? Sure. You know, so where do you want to allocate all those funds? And I understand what you're saying, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Wayno's going to be 41, for God's sakes, you know, coming up with a lot of mileage on the body. And in the last two years, he has proven everybody wrong. He, he's been the most reliable guy that the Cardinals have had. Uh, Flaherty, you would like to think, bounces back. And I think maybe that's something we need to know more about going into this offseason. How healthy is Jack Flaherty? You know, where is he at? Dakota Hudson, I'm not worried about. You know, he's coming off the Tommy John. He proved that he was healthy, so I feel good about that. Michaelis, it's in the back of your mind because of what's going on the last couple of years. Do you have a guy that is, you know, playing on pitching on borrowed time, or is this a guy that's now fully healed? You'd like to think it's the latter, but I understand where you're going. Do you want another guy that's there in Syndergaard that's tried to come back or others, and all of a sudden they're just not healthy? They're just not to the level that they need to be to show that they're healthy, and I think it's a legitimate point. So that's where I'm going. If if I'm going to spend some more money, I'm going to I'm going to try to get some swing guys. You know, that it's not going to cost me a lot, and I feel like I'm protected. And, and you know, the other thing, too, BK, we should give Jake Woodford a little bit more credit than we are. Sure. And he was better at the end of last season when he was in the rotation. Now, is he going to be a number one? No. But could he fill out a five-man rotation? Absolutely. And Johan Oviedo, I'm still bullish on him. I, I just love his stuff. It's about getting consistency inside the strike zone and doing it at this level. I would like to think he's not been buried by the lack of success of a win in the major leagues, but I still think that this guy is going to help you in some form or fashion down the road. Yeah, so the, the guys that I'm kind of looking at right now, Dan, if you're going to go this route of of paying a little bit more for your starting pitcher, instead of going the, the oft-injured guy, I'm looking at Steven Matz, John Gray. I know Pineda has had some injuries, but he's at least been able to pitch. He's not missing seasons as a whole. Zach Grinke's another guy that I think you could add on to that I list. I really like Grinke, and he wants to be in the National League too. Yeah, I saw that. I know... We, oddly enough, the Cardinals were on his no trade list a few years right. ago. Yeah. 
Um, and so I, I don't know if the Cardinals would be one of the teams that he's looking at, but if he is, I think he makes a ton of sense for them because he is exactly what I'm referencing, where yep. uh, you don't know what the innings are going to look like, but you're pretty sure you're going to get 160 of them out of him next year. And then if you're going the trade route this offseason, two guys that have piqued my interest are Sonny Gray. I don't know if the Reds would do business with you, but if they would, he makes some sense. Two years, about $20 million left on his deal. And then Sean Manaya is the other guy that I've brought up a number of times as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, to your point about Sonny Gray, I think the last time, and the textures can help me out, I think the last time the Cardinals traded with the Reds of a significant deal was Demetri Young and Jeff Brantley. So you're going back a long time, like late 90s, the last time they did that. I, is there anybody else you can think of that, I, am I missing somebody? I can't think of when they did. It's always tough trading within your division, and especially yeah. heated rivals like they are, the Cardinals and the Reds. Now, the Reds are at a different point than the Cardinals are at. I mean, they just traded away Tucker Barnhart to shed some salary. Nick Castellanos opted out, and they're like, okay, fine. And somebody on the text line just brought it up. The number one guy should be Castellanos that the Cardinals are looking for. Professional hitter. He make our lineup, the Cardinal lineup, so much more dangerous. I think he is the biggest impact bat in the free agency market. You can make a case for that. Um, you'd have to have the DH in play, though, if Castellanos comes to St. Louis, and I, look, I'd kick the tires on him because, look, I, somebody said to me, what, what, where, where are you going to play him? And I said, I don't care. I, <laughs> I'll put him in the lineup. I'll figure out a spot. You know, I'm going to bat him second. Yeah. I'm going to figure it out from there. DH him, put him in the outfield. I don't care. Occasional few innings at third. I can hide. I don't care. That guy can flat out hit, man. So, yeah, that'd be somebody I'd look at. The one thing, though, if if the Cardinals are looking for a bat, I got to go from the left side of the plate. I'm looking more left-handed, but if Nick Castellanos came to me and said, hey, I'm willing to do this and to come to St. Louis, I'd say, okay, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm totally with you. Yeah, you, you figure it out is the answer to that one. He's talented. I, I'm going to get the best hitters on my team, and we'll make it work from there. Here's a question for you, Dan. I, we, we kicked this around a little bit yesterday. As currently constructed, who would you want batting leadoff for the Cardinals against right-handed pitching? As currently constructed. Harrison Bader. Against righties. Oh, I'm sorry. Against lefties, Harrison Bader. Righties. I'm with you on um, that. Because I, I think we're going to see that next year. I think we're going to see Harrison Bader move up in the lineup against lefties. I do believe that. Um, boy, against the righties. Uh, this is this is the dilemma that I think the Cardinals have right now, and it's why I think when we're talking about the middle infielders that are coming from the left side, if you're looking to the free agency class... Well, let me, let me answer your question first. Sure. I would look at Tommy Edmond, uh, and I would look at um, Dylan Carlson. Carlson was the guy that I thought would make some sense there Currently as well. Currently constructed, yes. Yeah. It, it, as you're looking to the free agency class... I think this is something that they should probably be looking at is who is the high on base guy that we can sign that wouldn't cost us a ton of money. I've brought up the name Matt Duffy. Josh Harrison is out there as well. Gosh, doesn't have to be Josh Harrison. You absolutely love that guy. He's great. He's great. Uh, he doesn't have to be a lefty necessarily, but he's got to be able to hit right handed pitching, whoever that player is. And I think that should be one of their top priorities this offseason is finding a guy that can lead off for them against righties because that's 70% of your games. And right now, I just don't think you have an ideal option for that. I think Carlson could do it, but I, I think I would rather have somebody else that's slated to do it, at least to start things off next year. Um, how how intrigued would you be? I don't think the Cardinals would do this, but how intrigued would you be occasionally throwing Tyler O'Neill at the top of the lineup? I, just I'm to intrigued it, by that. Just I'm intrigued by up. him or Goldie. 
Yeah, I, I love what O'Neal. I to me O'Neal in the middle of the lineup. If those guys get on in front of him, that's where I want him. I know mm-hmm. I'm thinking, my God, it's traditional baseball. What am I doing? But yes, that's where I I like him. But I love his speed, and I love that uh, he could he could do some damage immediately. He's just such an intriguing player, man. Um, I don't know if I'd do it with Goldie, but O'Neal would be. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd made, if, if my team was not rolling and I got to shake something up, and if I had these middle-of-the-order guys that I'm saying, hey, I'm going to put one at the top, he'd be my guy. Well, look at the postseason, Dan, and, and use that as kind of your compass for what we're talking about here. I mean, we saw guys like Jorge Soler and yeah. Kyle Schwarber batting leadoff. Anthony Rizzo. Pro- the prototypical leadoff man is not what it once was. You don't have to be a blazing fast guy no, or a no, guy no. that's getting on base at a 38% clip to be able to bat leadoff. If you're a really good hitter and you're a complete hitter, which is something that Tyler O'Neill really did become this year, you can have success up there. And it's really about having the, the, the best hitters get the most number of at-bats. And for the Cardinals, if you can just get those guys like O'Neal, Goldie, Arenado, if you've got all three of those in your top four, you're probably doing it right. And it's about who is that fourth guy right now. you got to find the fourth bat to put in your top four. I, uh, I'm going to throw an interesting name out there that, uh, well, it's interesting to me, maybe not interesting to you, but uh, I, I don't know where he's at in his career or what he's looking at, but he had a down year with the Mets. <clears throat> and... If Lars Newbar is not breaking camp with the Cardinals, and by all indications, I mean, at the Arizona Fall League, he's he's tearing it up, he, and he's playing all three outfield spots, and he's really open. I just talked to a guy yesterday that's down there, and he's opened up a lot of eyes. I mean, they're saying this guy has really been good. Again, though, where do you find the playing time? And I don't want to stun his growth, so does he break camp with you, or, or is, is it just, hey, this is best for the St. Louis Cardinals that he's here? So I, that's that's one scenario. But Michael Conforto mm. is a guy that interests me a lot. Now, he's been an all-star. He's 29, hits from the left side. Um, is he at the point in his career where, okay, um, Michael, you, either you want to reestablish yourself or we can look at you as being the fourth outfielder. And uh, you may not play every day, but the way that we're going to be doing lineups this year with Ali Marmol is is that we're going to have a lot of interchangeable parts and you're going to be a big part of that. We can guarantee you that we'll get you to 350, 400 at-bats by the way that we're going to use our lineup. That would be a guy I'd be intrigued with because he's also very good defensively. Yeah, I really like Michael Conforto. I have no gauge for where his market's going to be, Dan, because I could I totally either. I could see him being a guy that gets a five-year, $85 million contract. I could see him being a player that signs a one-year pillow deal like what we talked about with uh, Trevor Story the other day because he is coming off of a down season for him. He was basically a league average hitter last year. But for his career, he gets on base 35% of the time. He's a consistent guy that can hit you 25-plus home runs. And it was just one weird, strange down year where the entire Mets team didn't hit basically for the entire season. And as you mentioned before, he is also a lefty, so he fits with what you need. If he's looking for that one-year deal, he'd be a great potential DH option for you with the Cardinals. I could see him batting second or third in that lineup, and it it would make a whole lot of sense for them. Yeah. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Schoenfeld of uh, ESPN. Great baseball writer. Hops on all the time. Does a great job covering the sport. We'll do that next. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
excellent baseball writer at ESPN, Dave Schoenfield, and he's been kind enough, as he always does, to join us on 101 ESPN here in St. Louis. Dave, good morning, and uh, happy off-season to you, if there ever is an off-season. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, hopefully it'll be an, uh, a happy off-season, and we don't, you know, go all the way into spring training without a new collective bargaining agreement. But that's that's a few weeks down the road. Let's talk about more fun stuff than that. Yeah, let, let's talk about the Braves. We'll start with that. So they win the World Series. They didn't run out of pitching. They make these deals at the trade deadline. It's a great story with Brian Snicker and Freddie Freeman and the rest of the crew. Uh, as you look back at the postseason and, and specifically with Atlanta, what stands out for you? Well, yeah, look, we all know October, it's all about hitting the buttons at the right time, getting hot, and especially their bullpen, which had been up and down all year, got hot at the right time. Uh, so kudos to them for stepping up. But here's one thing that stood out to me. Um, the Dodgers and then the Astros both fooled around with their pitching staff, using starters in relief bringing starters back on short rest, and I think it's safe to say that backfired. Now look what the the Braves did. Even after Charlie Morton got hurt, they kept their starters on schedule. So Max Fried, they didn't push him up to start Game 5 on short rest. They pitched him in Game 6 with five days of rest, where the Astros, on the other hand, took a rookie, Luis Garcia, pitched him on three days rest in game six. He'd never done that before, you know. So I think the Braves, they played it more conservatively, and it it worked, you know, where the Dodgers and the Astros both scrambled, and it clearly backfired. So maybe there's a lesson there. Dave, what's the lessons to be learned from the World Series teams that we just saw? Maybe that's one of them. But in terms of roster construction, as we're going into this free agency period, uh, what are the lessons that you think teams should take from the teams that we saw ultimately in the in the World Series? Well, I'll say this. This applies to both the, the Braves and the Astros, the two teams that got there. Neither of these teams have really played in the big-name free agent market. That doesn't mean they haven't spent money. The Braves years ago had signed Freddie Freeman to a 100-plus million deal. You know, the Astros gave big money to Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman, but those were all homegrown players. Um, Neither of those teams got there by signing the big free agents. So I don't know if that's a lesson. You know, we all know you got to develop your own talent, and that's what those two franchises have done over the past decade. Develop your own talent, and if you can afford it, re-sign them before they hit free agency. It's really interesting that you say that, and it's also in any sport, copycat league, and we saw that you know the Dodgers and the Giants, they had those interchangeable parts for matchups. Do you think more teams, and we kind of maybe got an inkling from that from Ali Marmol when he was talking to us about having the interchangeable parts and the different looking lineups and having a bench that you're allowed to do that. Do you think that more teams are, are maybe looking to do that as we move forward? Yeah, no doubt. You know, especially with 26-man rosters, with 13 of those usually being pitchers these days, you got to have that versatility, that flexibility to move guys around. But I think just in general, we really saw the importance of having a good bench. You know, the Dodgers, because of injuries, you know, with Max Muncy out, um, and who else? Somebody got hurt in the playoffs. You know, their bench really had weakened by by the playoffs, and they were they had no pinch hitters. They lost some of that flexibility. Um, the Astros didn't have a great bench. You know, once you got past their starting nine, but the Braves, 
you know, as a National League team, oh, look, look who they had as a DH in game six, Jorge Soler, you know, so they had a nice bench, and I think that's what all teams certainly strive to do, but sometimes you got to be willing to make those trades or pay for a nice veteran player, you know, as a bench player. So that, that's a key, no doubt, moving forward. Dave, we've talked about this a lot, but from your perspective nationally, when you look at where the Cardinals are at right now before we get into any of the offseason moves, what do you view as their biggest needs this offseason to get now to where the Braves were a week ago? Well, you know, I guess you're going to look at shortstop. You know, I don't know who the answer there. Maybe it's Paul DeYoung. Maybe it's not. I guess he's, you know, I know Cardinals fans aren't high on him after the year he had. Um, But I would say number one, right? You know, you got to figure out the rotation depth, you know. And I know they had injuries, but a lot of teams had injuries. Um, and I think we've talked about this before. You can't expect Adam Wainwright to have that kind of season again, as good as he was in 2021. Are you going to count on that for 22? So you got to kind of built in some regression, I think, from him. You know, and then after that, what's Jack Flaherty? Is he, is he an ace? Can he give you 30 starts? Who knows? And then three, four, five, and six, and seven, and eight, who lines up? So. No doubt they're going to be going after starting pitching. So, Dave, I want to go back just for a sec. Dave Schoenfield is our guest of uh, ESPN and talking about benches. And you can understand why it's a a very hot topic in St. Louis, which is Albert Pujols. So he's playing winter ball. Um, Whether it's in St. Louis or not, do you think there's a place for him in Major League Baseball next year? I mean, it pains me to say this, and I know he did okay with the Dodgers, he did okay against left-handed pitchers, but that's his role. He can't hit righties. He can't catch up to good velocity. He can't. He obviously can't run. You know, as good as a defender as he used to be back in the day, he doesn't help you on defense. So, it's it's such a limited role, and it's hard to carry a guy like that in today's game. That. A platoon, the short side of a platoon, who can only play first base. Now, maybe the NL gets the DH, you know, but he hasn't hit righties in a long time. So, look, somebody will give him a chance, I'm sure, you know, because of the history, the clubhouse, you know, reputation, all that stuff. But personally, I I wouldn't want him on my team. I am curious about two guys that Dan and I have talked quite a bit about uh, outfield slash DH options this offseason. What do you think the market's going to look like for Nick Castellanos and for Michael Conforto? How do you see things shaking out for those two guys in particular? What do you think it's going to command for them? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, Castellanos, I would love him as a DH and the the outfield part be a, a part-time <laughs> area. He's He's not a good defensive player, but he can hit. He can hit home runs. He can hit doubles. He hits for average. Really good hitter, you know. So there's going to be a big market for him, again, especially if the NL adds the DH. Yeah, Michael Conforto, man, that's a tough one. He's been a really good player until 2021, and he was bad with the Mets. He had some injuries. I think he had a hamstring injury. and People in New York thought maybe he came back a little too soon from that. Um, but he's at that age, what is he, about 30, you know, or maybe the skills are starting to decline. So a little risky. Um, one of those guys you would like to roll the dice on on, on a one-year deal if he's willing to take it and see if he can bounce back. How do you feel about the uh, pending CBA and, and where this thing goes? <laughs> do you have a feeling one way or another? I don't know. I let our big wigs uh, cover that one. You're a big look, wig. 
you know, look, there, what is baseball now? A nine billion industry, something like that. Nine point five billion. There's so much money at stake. You got to work it out, both sides. You know, so are they willing to budge here and there? Let's hope so. There's just too much money at stake, and I think both sides are aware of that. But I'm, the thing that worries me in the back of my mind is the owners, due to what happened in 2020, and then the decline in you know attendance this year, still the fallout from COVID. The owners didn't make as much money as they normally do. I'm not going to say they lost money. I'm not going to go that far, but they didn't make as much. So they're going to try to uh, use that to, to negotiate with the players, and that could lead to a problem. But hopefully by February 15th, we'll have a deal in place. Final question that I've got for you. Do you think we're going to see much action over the next three or four weeks prior to this CBA? Like, Do you think we'll see some trades? Do you think that we'll see any free agent signings? How do you think this is going to go? I, no, everything you're hearing is no. Teams are going to sit tight. Um, you know, we did have what Tucker, Tucker Barnhart got traded the other day from the Reds to the Tigers. So there might be a deal here and there. I'm, I am curious if there is an aggressive team or two who might consider this an opportunity to swoop in and sign some free agents, not the big guys, the Carlos Correa's, Corey Seegers, they're going to wait and see what money is, is eventually going to be out there. But you know, for the second tier and third tier free agents, a smart team might jump in and try to sign some of those guys, guys who are worried that they won't get their money if they wait until, you know, March 15th to sign. So there could be some good bargains out there, but for the most part, we're hearing it's going to be very slow. Hey, Dave, as always, uh, really appreciate your time. You're awesome when you come on the air with us, and you're gracious with your time and always say yes. So appreciate it very much, and I'm sure we're going to catch up very soon. All right, let's do it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's uh, Dave Schoenfield of ESPN. We're going to cross it over with uh, BK and Alex. They're out at Centene, and that'll be next on 101 ESPN. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The Blues win last night by the final of 5-3. to three. I'm sure that BK and Alex will get into that. Uh, the Blues beat the San Jose Sharks. It was kind of a, uh, the newcomer show last night when you think about who's scoring the goals outside of Robert Thomas, which was an empty netter. Boy, did he need that. He was all over the place last night. Missed a couple of what looked to be really good chances, but got the uh, the final one and the, uh, the that sealed the deal. But you had Brandon Saad getting you two. You had uh, Bucinavich. He got his second. James Neal, his second. And then Joel Hofer. Awesome. Great story. 21-year-old kid. He's six foot five, tall, thin, but played well and was able to get through that five on three early in that first period. And that was to me kind of the defining moment of the game. Not only that, but he had a, a puck go off the skate or the boots that was behind him. Didn't go in the net. And the blues win that game by the final of five to three blues are now seven, one and one. Their next game will be Sunday against the ducks and they'll be in Anaheim, then head to Winnipeg and then back home. So uh, BK, we're crossing it over. I'm sure you guys are going to get into the game last night. 
Yeah, we will. We'll get into that. That's going to be our open today, talking about some of those newcomers that you just mentioned. Joel Hofer, by the way, nice assist at the end of the game as well. So big congrats to him on his first victory in a Blues uniform. Uh, We'll break that all down. And what happens if Braden Shin is out for any sort of extended period of time? He ended up missing the majority of that one with what they said, I believe, was a shoulder injury, upper body, if nothing else. Uh, So we'll talk about the Blues depth once again being tested and hopefully Ryan O'Reilly being able to be return here pretty soon yeah hopefully i'm i'm hopeful for sunday for him and then shin upper body and uh, only had we well, had nine shifts in the first period then didn't come back out so uh you know obviously fingers crossed for the uh the blues to get him back in that lineup all right who do you have coming up on this uh, friday edition of bk and ferrario yeah coming up at one o'clock we'll be joined with mike mckenna he was able to skate with the blues what was that on sunday monday yeah. Um, so we'll talk with him about what his impressions were of this team. And I want to get his thoughts on Joel Hofer from last night. What did he see from the young goaltender? And what has he seen so far this year from Jordan Bennington, who's looking like he's putting together a, not only a Vezina Trophy case, but also a case to be a, a potential uh, roster invitee for the Team Canada in the Olympics this year. That'd be awesome. All right, BK. Thanks, buddy. Hang in there. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you, Dan. Take it easy, man. You got it. BK and Ferrario coming up from Centene. Tanner, great job as always. And we'll talk to everybody next week on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.